You know, I think for us, you know, we've had a couple of messages. Bill and Jason both have kind of spoken to the whole area of community. And so many times it's so difficult for our culture. We worship God, me and God, instead of (coughs) us together. And I think it's probably one of the most difficult things for our culture to, to come is in this concept of community and doing things as a group. And it's not just my walk with God that matters. It's our walk together. So I just really encourage you to pray for our worship time that it would be, you know, as it were, like one trumpet to God, you know, together. Um, I was kind of prompted to read this scripture. Oh, here's your pay for this week. Thank you. Um, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. I think, and I think I can say this, that in large measure doesn't pertain to us, I hope. Um, Rather, as you continue with this in Hebrews, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. And so, um, I just really was impressed uh, that that is kind of where the Lord is looking at us. I mean, He's invested lots of time in, in our lives. And maybe in some ways we need to... We're still in elementary principles, but I think in large measure uh, we are pressing on to maturity. And so uh, it's interesting to take the passage that we have for today. By the way, how many people did have a chance to at least read Exodus 13 through? Wonderful. Great. You'll each get your turn to share. No, it's voluntary. Um, but I, I just am struck every time I read this, particularly from the first time 30-some years ago to reading it now. It was just a great story with lots of facts, and you know, you're trying to figure out how they went and how this happened and that happened. And then you read it now, and it's like, wow, that was just, that was just this level. And so you, you know, it's just nice to go back and read something after having kind of walked with God for 5 or 10 or 15 or 30 years and see some of the more than facts maybe and acts maybe the ways of God and so I I know it's a familiar scripture it's a lot of scripture and we're not going to go through it verse by verse but I just wanted you to read it again and see what the Lord showed you this time because to me um, this book lasts a lifetime and beyond um, you know, it's nice to read what other people say about this book, and there are so many books that's been written about this book. It's like, well, do I really have time to read all those other books when I don't even have this one, you know, quite down yet? So I'm going to start with the first verse, and I've got some comments about the first verse and the last verse in the reading, and some in between, but I really kind of want to hear what, you know, the Lord is saying to you and to us as a church 
about his ways and, and, and what we're learning about that. Um, the kind of the background here is, you know, the promises were made to Abraham. And then Abraham told Isaac, here's what God said. But God also told Isaac what he told Abraham. And Isaac told Jacob, here's what God told me. But then God told Jacob what he told Isaac. So every time he visited them, and then by the time it got to Joseph, Joseph was convinced that, look, God is going to return. Well, I know we're in slavery now, but, you know, take my bones with you. And so after 400 years, all of a sudden, you know, things begin to happen. And so we're at this place where, you know, there have been these plagues. Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> and and the people are beginning to see the favor of God. Wow, these things are happening to those guys, but not to us. And then they celebrate the Passover, and then they then they um, leave. And so that's where this story takes place. And it's really interesting because in the first verse in um, Exodus thirteen. Now it came about when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, lest the people change their mind when they see war and they return to Egypt. Well, you know, I read that and I thought, that's the goodness of God. How many times has he done that in my life? Here's where I want you to go, Preston, but we're going over there, and then we're going to go over there, and then maybe you'll be ready to go right there. And so, you know, a lot of times it looks like we're not getting there very fast. And God's like, yeah, I know. You're not ready. You're not ready for that step of faith yet. You know, it's my goodness that I haven't said, go there, you know. It's a promise. It's out there. It's this deep thing God's put in your heart. But it doesn't look like it's getting any closer, you know. And so I want you to see that, that it's kind of God's goodness sometimes that, you know, whether you're a newborn Christian and there's there's this place of faith God wants to take you, He's gentle. He leads us like a shepherd. And a shepherd doesn't necessarily drive. They lead. You know, and I think in Isaiah it says that uh, those with young, he gently leads. And so, um, you know, that's one of the ways of God is that um, he has a destination. And that destination for us is one day we're going to see him face to face. But we're not ready for that. There's this whole lifetime of sanctification that has to take place, you know. You know, unless you're Enoch or one of the lucky ones that... I mean, how many of you know in the depths of your heart, I'm pleasing to God? <laughs> well, if you do, I don't... You shouldn't be sitting here to be up there with Enoch, you know? So, you know, it just struck me as I started reading this thing, you know, again. Wow, God... Your ways are altogether good. You know, that's what it says in the Psalms. Your ways are altogether good. You know, I, I know this is kind of what you promised, and I know this is kind of where you want me to go, but wow, it seems like it's taken a long time to get there. It's God's goodness because He's preparing you for that next step of faith. 
So I just kind of wanted to lay that out there as one of the first things I saw about God's ways and um, give you guys an opportunity maybe to kind of share, and I know it may not kind of go directly through the Scriptures, but that's okay. Um, Just as the Lord really, I think, just continued to direct our worship this morning, it seemed like more and more, uh, as we sang song after song, it was like more and more people were like, Yes, 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 and and there was just this sense of really worshiping God together, you know, you know, as we came to the end, and you know, I I couldn't help but be struck by the songs you picked out were all kind of just editorialized songs of the Song of Moses. Mm-hmm. If you go back and you read chapter that chapter, yeah. it's like, well, we're just singing the same thing with different words. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you did that on purpose or not, but it it was really neat to to hear. Um, hear those songs so um anybody want to share kind of after reading through this uh, time kind of maybe what you felt like the lord was showing you uh, about your own life or about his ways um we'll, we'll even let you digress into facts and acts if there was something that just like wow i've not seen that before joyce well, what kind of came to me was how quickly the people began whining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was just, you know, which is really what they're doing now, what God's doing, but then there's God's response to it, which is really long-suffering and patient. Mm-hmm. But it's how quickly that they began to whine, and, you know, it made me sort of look at the kind of things that I, I whine about. Mm-hmm. It was probably mainly the women. <laughs> Make it heavy, okay? But <laughs> that just, you know, that that just really just kind of sprang out of me. How incredibly quickly the people degenerated into whining. Yeah, I know. When I was reading that part myself, and we'll, I want to, I want to expand on that a little bit later as people make comments, but. Um, they sang it's, I always just thought it was the song of Moses but it says Moses and the sons of Israel mm-hmm. sang this song yeah. they sang this song declaring that he reigns forever and how faithful he is and three days in the desert they're, grum- they're grumbling yeah. well they yeah. were grumbling before that I mean they yeah. grumbled before the Red Sea was parted mm-hmm. and so I, you know I thought well am I like that on Wednesday I worship God on Sunday. I declare all these wonderful things about who He is and how He is and how faithful He's been. That's why they usually have Wednesday prayer meetings, I guess. You know, to keep the fire lit. That's right. So we do. We we are we're not a lot different, you know, when when there's adversity. I mean, they were thirsty. Come on, God, this is basic need. I got a basic need here. Can't you take care of me? I mean, where are you? You know, and so we grumble, but we're sophisticated. We we don't kind of verbalize it. We just kind of keep it right there and down here, you know. And God can't see this. He knows what I'm saying about this. Yeah, right. I said I didn't do any whining or grumbling. I have a feeling there are people here who might uh, <laughs> confess that. Yeah, the outside conscience, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about that some more because to me it's one of the, the big things about 
God's ways that, that we'll look at here in just a little bit. Richard? Uh, one thing that I don't recall seeing before is just that how God, you know, just right at the beginning of Exodus 14, how he describes it. He put, I mean, God led them there and he put them there at the Red Sea and he knew that Pharaoh was going to come and knew that, you know, um, what was obviously what was going to happen and he did it for his glory. He did it. You know, he put them in this difficult place and he knew what Pharaoh was going to say. It says, uh, Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering the land. The wilderness has shut them in like, you know, they're wandering around and now they're stuck by the sea and I've got them, you know, I've got them. Mm -hmm. I want them. And, and then, you know, he says, I'll hard Pharaoh's heart. And he says, um, uh, you know, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he knew that. And yet... Of course, the Israelites didn't. You know, they're like Moses. What have you done? You know, you've you know, we're here, we're stuck. We got the Egyptian army behind mm -hmm. us, and um, you know, and I think we can, you know, I can relate to that. In that, you know, if I'm in a difficult place, God may have put me there for a reason, mm -hmm. so that He can glorify Himself. Not, mm -hmm. you know, because you know, yeah, I'm in a place where I I can't do anything about it. And people of Israel, they. You know, without God, they were, yeah, they were in a lot of trouble, a lot of hurt. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, God had done that for a reason so he could glorify themselves. Mm -hmm. He put them in that difficult situation, impossible situation, so he could then do, do his work and, and, and show he is God to the Egyptians. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. it's really interesting because there was one Israelite that knew it. Because mm -hmm. he told Moses what he was going to do. Yeah. So, you know, Moses is the one that's kind of helping them backtrack you, you know you, you kind of wonder what they were thinking does this guy really know where he's going yeah. you know of course they'd never been outside of Goshen since they were slaves probably mm -hmm. so they had to trust he knew what he was doing but um, I think that's one thing you know if, if he's the humblest man on the earth and I think that God speaks to humble people. I mean, he tells, he, he tells people what he's going to do if they're listening. He told the prophets mm -hmm. what he was about to do for those that would listen. And so you're right, though. A lot of times the circumstances that we find <coughs> ourselves in have nothing to do with us. <coughs> it's for God's glory. You know, and what's interesting is if you keep reading in, in another situation when they were whining and grumbling, um, because they were, you know, they were talking about we, we just, you know, we just may have been better for us to be back in Egypt. It says in in let's see what verse that was. I'm thinking of. Oh, it's over in sixteen. 1610 it says and it came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel that they looked toward the wilderness another word for looked is turned now here they were whining about maybe going being back in Egypt and having nice food to eat they looked toward the wilderness God's glory was in the difficult direction mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, don't mm -hmm. be looking back there and think that I'm there. Mm -hmm. I'm there. You know, walk in the difficult way. Walk in the way that you've been called. That's where the glory of God is. And sometimes you have to walk it for His glory. You know, 
You know, it's he gives us strength and, and grace as we overcome, not in order to. But as we are overcoming, we get strength and grace for his glory. And so it really struck me that, you know, um, here he was and his glory and his presence was in the direction they really didn't want to go. It's you know, a good what point. struck me is that, that, that attitude that they had, of, it's better to be alive than to be slaves. And, I mean, this doesn't come from the Bible, and, but it, it kind of remembered me with Patrick Henry's quote, give me liberty or give me death, mm-hmm. that he valued something, you know, he valued that higher than his own life. And the Israelites, they were kind of like, well, it's better to be a slave and be, you know, have enough to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably not glorifying to God at all for his people to be slaves. Mm-hmm. I agree. Preston? Yeah. It's sort of, um, you can't read part of the Bible without reflecting on the other parts mm-hmm. of it because it's like when God opens your eyes to one thing, mm-hmm. it causes you to say, well, how much am I not seeing in these other passages? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it gives you faith to believe it even when you don't see it yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in Genesis, you, you see where God takes them out of Canaan, mm-hmm. the Israelites, with mm-hmm. you know, 70 people, Jacob, mm-hmm. and he brings them to Egypt. Mm-hmm. He can't leave them in Canaan because in Canaan, the Canaanites, what they did with foreign people is assimilate them. Mm-hmm. They make them part of themselves, mm-hmm. and they all become like the Canaanites. The Egyptians are entirely different. Mm-hmm. They don't like foreigners. They keep them at arm's distance. They do not assimilate them. So they put them all in Goshen. And Joseph tells the brothers, don't tell Pharaoh <coughs> that you're shepherds because shepherds are an abomination to, to the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. Tell them that you keep livestock. <laughs> and so here they are in a separate part of Egypt, mm-hmm. entirely separate from the rest of the Egyptians, and they're shepherds, and that's an abomination to the Egyptians. So he's got all these barriers between them and Egypt. Mm-hmm. And it stays that way for 400 years, mm-hmm. and they're not assimilated into Egypt. Mm-hmm. And, and he brings them back out again. And that's the goodness of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you can imagine how deluded the promises mm-hmm. would have been. They would have been forgotten. Mm-hmm. They would have lost <coughs> Joseph's bones in 400 mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. probably. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you're right. God has a plan, and His mm-hmm. ways are not necessarily our ways. And um, a lot of times, you don't understand it until you look back. Mm-hmm. You know, until you've got a bigger picture. Yeah. So. I was also thinking, you know, that that wilderness period. It's just it's. It's a transition where you don't you don't know where you don't really you don't, they didn't know where they were really going. I mean, they had you know some have had the promise. Okay, the promise land they hadn't seen it yet, so they they didn't know where they were going. They knew where they'd come from, but they didn't know where they were going. And so they're stuck in this in between place mm-hmm. where they're completely dependent on God for everything: food, water, shelter, protection. They never. They had never really, in one sense, been there before, mm-hmm. and um, and then God and God didn't even intend that to be a long period of time. Maybe only a few weeks <coughs> or a few months. It turns mm-hmm. into forty years, but that wasn't His original plan. Mm-hmm. But it's such a picture of 
how easy it is to lose perspective. Mm -hmm. You know, you look back. I mean, it, it can't. It could not have been nice to be a slave. Right. I mean, and not only that. Once Moses came along, you know, they were having to work twice as hard to try to make bricks without straw. It, you know, it's you know, it's not like they're eating you know high on the hog every night. You know, <laughs> and having great jobs. They're slaves. You know, so it's, it's so easy to lose perspective. And I, you know, it's. You know, we're, and we're the same way. Mm -hmm. you, know, you look back and go, oh, those were the great days. Well, not really. <laughs> not totally. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> but to get where God wants us to Yeah, but it was yeah. familiar. It was yeah. familiar. And so we'll trade familiarity for the next thing that God has for us. Well, that's, that's the whole, I think, one of the, the big points is, you know, Everybody likes to have a plan. They kind of like to know what's expected, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where they're going, yeah. what time yeah. they've got to be there, uh, what they need to bring. And with God and really walking in a life of faith, you don't always have it. You know? you know? Just give me the name of the four people I need to share with this week. No? You just got to... Walk, Walk with me. Mm -hmm. I'll show. I'll show them to you when you see them. You'll know. To hear me. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, let me be in control. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's but what happens when we when we do that. You know, the the Israelites here were crying out. You know, give us something to eat. Give us something to eat. And God said, Okay, I'll give you this this in the morning and this in the evening. Mm -hmm. Why? Then you will know mm -hmm. that I am God, mm -hmm. and you are not. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Right. You will know that I am Almighty, and that's the same with us. When He, when He puts me in those situations, there's mm -hmm. nothing in me that can rise to that situation mm -hmm. without Him. And then you know. Yeah, there's there's a. Let me see if I can remember. I don't remember if it's numbers. <coughs> numbers eleven and fourteen are the are the expanded explanations of and then yeah this will be a very familiar this is Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 2 and 3 and you will remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. This is kind of after the fact, after that generation has kind of died off. He led them in the wilderness that he might humble them, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now listen to this. He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that man does not live by bread alone, mm -hmm. but by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And we've heard that said, you know, and not in this context, but in other contexts. I mean, you know, Jesus is sitting at the well and sends the disciples in and he's talking with the 
Samaritan woman and he says, I have bread that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. So do the will of my father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there, there's a nourishment that comes by walking mm-hmm. in the will of God. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a direction that comes by listening to his voice. Mm-hmm. Well, we have his voice. You know, the, the, this is it. Mm-hmm. But it has to have something else that goes with it. And that's the Spirit directing how to use it, when to use it. Wisdom. <coughs> wisdom. And that, you know, that comes from a daily relationship. This is not our God. It's the Word from God. But He's put a measure of Himself within us. To bring this to remembrance, but also to contextualize it for the moment. What's the wisdom that you need in that moment? And so... Um, you know, his heart has always been for us to listen to his voice. Amen. I mean, it says it in these verses here, and this is, and, and then I will test you in this that you will listen to my voice. And then in Deuteronomy, he he says to read and and obey my my, my instruction. Mm-hmm. And why? In Deuteronomy, it says so that things may go well for you. That's his heart. It's not to bind us in on this narrow road that's no fun to know where. But it's so things will go well for us. You know? First, I I spent most of my time looking at Exodus 16. Uh Uh-huh. Because um, for Crosswave, I'd I'd been studying the... The stories of the feeding of the four thousand and the five thousand, mm-hmm. and thinking about how that happened, and, and where did those fish and that bread really come from? Mm-hmm. And when they reached into the baskets and they pulled out another one, had that fish swam in the sea, or did it get created in that basket <laughs> fully prepared every time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where did it come from? And so, I bet when I, I wanted to look at this because it was the bread from heaven, and you. You read it and you just think how understated the scripture is mm-hmm. that this dove came and they gathered it up and they baked it like bread or they boiled it. Mm-hmm. If they didn't gather it while it's still the cool of the day, it would evaporate. Mm-hmm. If they gathered too much, they didn't have too much. If they gathered too little, they didn't have a lack. If they gathered... If they left some for the next day, it got worms and began to stink. Except on the sixth day, and they gathered twice as much, and it was perfectly good the next day. And you're thinking, you're looking back, you think, how crystal clear was this of God's provision and His patience and, and all of this sort of thing? And yet they grumped. I mean, they had just complained about the water. Then they complained about the the brew. And then after, right after this, he talks about more complaining about the the bitter water. The you know, and they. Mm-hmm. And you think, how do I do the same thing? I mean, can mm-hmm. I go three days without complaining about something mm-hmm. to the Lord? Wow. You know, can, can I go two days without complaining about something? Mm-hmm. When God's providing everything that I need all along the way? Yeah. But um, the fact that this is... Not only was it a miracle for those people, but it pointed to the real bread from heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, not only was God setting a sign among... Not only was God providing for His people then, He was also putting a signpost pointing to the real bread from heaven who was going to come and do this thing later. But it was interesting for for Crosswave, what I was really driving at was um, 
we think about God's provision and we want to think about bread and water. But the point was, it was provision for life. The bread from heaven is what we live from. And so you think, why, does, why has God given us? He's given us the scriptures. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us the church. And you think, have I really seen the blessing of the church in my life to be a pro- provide? And He's given us prayer. You know, we can pray to Him. And if we look at those four things and see the abundance of what those are in the light of the abundance of manna and the abundance from the loaves mm-hmm. and fishes, then we're just staggered mm-hmm. by God's benevolence towards us, His love towards us, His faithfulness, His pay- I mean, the, half, Every other word is they grumbled, and then every other word is God says, well, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And you just think, Lord, help me see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there was a perfect seven-day weather pattern for 40 years. Some scientists can't explain that. You know, it it was God's provision. Um, It's interesting, too, that it happened for 40 years. And then in 1635, it says, They ate man for 40 years. And and then there's this word, Until Mm -hmm. they came to an inhabited land. Perfect provision until... You know, and I kind of looked at this backwards because we have an eternal word. You know, we we we've got we've got the advantage of, of of looking back all these years on God's faithfulness. But tell me, does this thing always feed you every time you open it up? Sometimes it's just words on a page. You ever had been in the wilderness yourself? Well, it's in those particular times I think. That God's God's just keeps us from falling away. It's God's grace. You know, we're in the wilderness. You know, you're you're walking in a dry time. And yet that provision, like you're saying, the life of Christ redeeming us holds us until we get to a place where it feeds us again. Friday night in our Bible study, we were we've been in Exodus for the last couple times, and we were all the way to Mount Sinai, you know, just a few more chapters ahead. Mm-hmm. And what, what struck us as interesting was that the um, the you know God had done all these miracles. Of course, there was all this grumbling and complaining, but He done all these miracles, and then He invites them to come to the mountain and have this experience where. Of course, there's smoke and fire and thunder and lightning and all the voice of God speaking, giving it what we know know as the Ten Commandments. And the people are just, you know, amazed and fearful, and and they agree to do everything God tells them. Tell them they they make this they're very quick to say we'll we'll do everything we will obey and do everything God tells us. And then it says that Moses went up on the mountain and he was gone for 40 days mm-hmm. and things got real quiet. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't deal, I mean, apparently they couldn't deal with that waiting. And that, t- like when you said that about, you know, the dry time, mm-hmm. you know, God immediately puts them into a, a, a very short season and 40 days, not that long, of not hearing his voice. No Moses, mm-hmm. and they even said, "We don't even know where this Moses went." Mm-hmm. Aaron, make us a god, mm-hmm. and Aaron makes them a, a, a god and says, "This is the god that brought you out of Egypt." 
And it's like mm-hmm. how we were just struck mm-hmm. by how quickly mm-hmm. they turned away and how it was just this, you know, like this moment, momentary, you know, silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting too because, you know, it's like Aaron in that time of trying to rationalize. He says, well, this is just what popped out of the fire. <laughs> you know, I, I really didn't have anything to do with it. You know? Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting too if you read that pack passage that these are God's people, my people, my people until this point when, they, when Moses comes down the mountain and, and God says, your people, they're your people. You know, it was a time of withdrawing you know, he he had just he had just had it at that point, you know, and I think that to me is one of the big overarching things that I've taken out of this. Um, you know, well, now that I see Roger back there, it just reminded me of one point that I wanted to bring up before I forgot because point number one in Roger's message, what a month ago? Let's see, Roger in thirteen. Where is that? Joshua 6? No, this was um, actually something that reinforced it. Oh, it is in uh, 1431. And when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord. And that was one of the things Roger mentioned was, you know, seeing God's presence and power brought relief, brought belief. And so, I mean, here it had happened, and then when they crossed the Jordan, it was just a reminder, you know, which he shared about, uh, of that same thing happening for the people then, seeing the power of God, you know, imparting the waters. But, uh, I just think there's yeah. also long-term repercussions of that, that golden calf, because if we look back when the, the um, kingdom split, the Jeroboam, Jeroboam, the first thing that... Um, I mean, not Rehoboam, Jeroboam, Solomon and Jeroboam. Um, Jeroboam made golden calves to keep the people from going to Jerusalem to worship God. And he said, you know, these are the gods that led you out of Egypt. So he went back to what Aaron had done. Mm-hmm. I mean, hundreds of years later. Yeah, it's amazing that he didn't understand God's ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it says right there how displeased God was. Yeah. And yet he did it again. Numbers 11 says this about, Now the people became like those who complain of adversity in the hearing of the Lord. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and fire went out from the Lord. You know, and this was kind of one of the things that stood out to me about how easy it is to complain and grumble. You know, and um, it says, you know, the first time they grumbled, and then the second time when they were thirsty, it says they quarreled with the, with Moses, the leader. And so, you know, grumbling, which is kind of more low key and internal, and maybe with one other person, can if it continues in the community, it will just blossom into open open quarreling. You know, but the interesting thing about here, it seems like. God has a really is not so slow to anger when people complain in adversity. 
Um, you know, I think about Jeremiah. I mean, what a hard assignment. Hey, Jerry, you're going to preach for 30 years, but nobody's going to listen. You know, halfway through the thing, you know, he says, this, where's all the justice in this? All those evil people are, are, nothing's happening to them, God, and I thought you were a righteous God, kind of like Habakkuk was. And then, you know, it's interesting because God looks down. Here is a prophet of his complaining. And what, what is, what's God's response to, to his prophet? If you run with the footman and they tired you out, what are you going to do with the horse? <laughs> what are you going to? How can you compete with the horses? Now listen to this next part of it. If you fall down in the land of peace, we're pretty much living a land of peace. If you you know if you can't make it in a land of peace, you know the next verse is, how will you do in the thicket or the pride of Jordan? And we're seeing that rise up mm-hmm. in our nation. Mm-hmm. You know, we're seeing that pride rise. How are we going to do? If we can't, if we can't, if we can't do. If we can't make it in a land of peace, what are we going to do? You know, so complaining isn't the way. You know, and so I kind of, you know, it's just, as I've read this thing, it's like wow. And and if you try and look back from God's perspective. I've given you eternal life. Everything else is a bonus. Everything else is a bonus. You've got eternal life. What are you whining about? What are you crumbling about? You know, and and I, I, it's just you know it's a it's a hard thing for us all. You know, we need Him to show us His glory. We need to keep it in. We need to keep it in front of us, mm-hmm. because if we don't, we're going to be just like this. Well, man, you know, walking with God's not like it used to be. You remember when we used to do this and we used to do that? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know, this is the season we find ourselves in. You know, and so not only not only train our tongues, but train our hearts. Not to complain, but to be grateful. Mm-hmm. I have eternal life. My name mm-hmm. is written in Lamb's Book of Life. Mm-hmm. What have I got to complain about? You know? He's shown us His glory. He's shown us His goodness. And so I just felt like, you know, we, this is one of the ways that God <coughs> we need to understand. He seems to not take pleasure and deal fairly swiftly with a people that complain and grumble given the magnanimity of his provision you know that you were talking about earlier and so I just want to encourage us in that place you know God tested the people look I'm going to just seek you follow my instructions but then the people tested him after all this all the plagues (coughs) all the deliverance all the providing Manna and water, you know, from rocks and manna from the sky and quail. You know, he was faithful through all those grumblings. But they tested him in the very last verse of, of this. 17-7. Yeah, read it if you got it there. Yeah. Well, it says, um, 
And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, or Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among <laughs> us or not? I mean, can you believe? Do I sometimes think that in my heart. You know, are you with me? Are you gonna be with me this morning if I'm speaking? Are you you know, are we're going we're going somewhere so God, I sure hope you show up. It's like Look what I've already done for you. And you're doubting that I'm with you? But we do. You know, and I'm as guilty as anybody else. And you know, it's 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 learning to walk with an assurance. In the in the and this is the thing that we all need to get our paradigm shift is Enoch walked with God. God didn't walk with Enoch. Is we we got to get our step. We got to be in step with God. It's like, come on, God, and be with me. No, I need to go and be with God, whatever wherever God is and wherever He's leading me. And whether it's a hard place, you know, it may be for His glory. It may not be have anything to do with me, you know. And so I just really encourage us in that. You know, all this if you go and read First um, Corinthians chapter ten. It talks about all these people were under the cloud. They all were baptized into Moses. They all ate the same bread. They all drank water from the rock. All this was an example for us that we don't make the same mistake. We don't follow idols. We don't act immorally. We don't grumble. And we don't complain. And the interesting thing is, the very next passage it's all about communion, mm-hmm. community, being one in Christ and walking in that way. And so, you know, I, I think it's going to be a lifetime of learning to have that kind of mindset that we're a body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not the body that's walking with God, but in a body that's walking with God and learning to encourage one another in that and and see one another as more important than myself and 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 living a life that's a shared life and um and calling one another account when we when we hear ourselves grumbling you know but also encouraging one another daily you know that we don't test the lord you know like it said in hebrews they didn't enter into rest they couldn't enter into rest because of that and so I just kind of wanted to highlight those particular things out of these verses for us this morning we could we could stay all afternoon and probably talk about these yeah one one thing that jumps out at me maybe no one else <coughs> is the absolute certainty that if you're saved mm-hmm. you're always saved because if we could lose our salvation we would Mm-hmm. We absolutely would because we cannot hold on to it by ourselves. No. There's no way in the world. It's got to be God holding us. That's because right. all you've got to do is read Scripture mm-hmm. from beginning to end. And if you could lose it, our hearts are so wicked, we'd lose it in the heart. We would. We would. And I think, you know, that's a, you know, if you want to try to tie this back to anything, it would be to like Galatians 2 20 and 21 and mm-hmm. chapter 3. You know, you know, we've, we've been justified. And so all the acts that we do now are not for righteousness, not to gain value, not to gain love, but because of all those things. And yet, a lot of times our mindset is we do these things and then we think we've got a better basis to approach God 
on something that's deep within our hearts. And it's, it's not. We have one basis, mm-hmm. and that's Jesus Christ Himself. So, you want to worship some more? Yeah, another song? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to add something. Um, as I was reading, meditating on these scriptures, one of the things that struck me was how you know, God was teaching this people how faithful He was. I mean, they didn't know him. So he wanted to teach them that he would provide for them in all these different ways. He'd provide protection. He'd provide water. He'd provide food. And not just the bare essentials. I mean, quail, manna. I mean, so God wanted to teach them that, but also the importance. And you see this later on in the scriptures about remembering you know, always remembering what God has done. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I think about the things that God has done in my life, and every time I come against a new place of faith, mm-hmm. here I am questioning God. Mm-hmm. And um, and how community, how important community is, because I know a number of years ago, before my dad died, Jill sharing about her father and mm-hmm. how he came to faith, it just kind of energized my faith in you. Mm-hmm. And it was just that that word spoken. And Bill, this morning, <laughs> when you spoke about Christian, it just kind of re-energized the place of faith in you. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and just the importance of that community, how and God spoke to me this past week about how important a few years ago <coughs> Our river house was in the eye of the hurricane and, and how God miraculously pr- took care of it. He spoke to me, write this down so not only you'll remember, and the way my mind is, you know, <laughs> I'll forget the details, but my children will remember, my children's children will remember. And just the importance of community speaking out. Don't you remember when God did this don't you? And you know, even here, God wanting, you know, he, He's training us, and He's still training me. And so I have to constantly go back. Oh yeah, I remember when God faithfully answered this prayer. When God faithfully answered this prayer, God will faithfully bring my son. <laughs> Might not be <laughs> the same time frame I wanted, right. but. And just the importance of the body ministry to each other. Well, that's so much like, that's basically point number two in Roger's message a month ago was remembering mm-hmm. the acts and faithfulness mm-hmm. of God. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, we sang this morning, because his last verse in there is, is God with us or not? Well, we, our very first song we sang is, is, is that, God, you're with us. Forever, God, you're with us. Forever, God, you're strong. So we pronounced it, and now let's live like it. Okay. And you know, we used to sing a song 30 years ago, 20, 30 years ago. That song in Exodus 15 was a famous one. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. The Lord, my God, my strength, my song has now become my victory. Uh, and I was I looked it up on the internet this morning, you know, <laughs> to remind myself of the lyrics because we used to sing that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I think it was done in a round because it says Moses and the sons of Israel sang this long song, uh-huh. and then Miriam got her tambourine, tambourine. and then responded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go get your song sheet, turn to page nine. <coughs> 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 <coughs>